0: Hey, welcome to Alex Listens. My name's Alex, and this is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and race and identity and whatever, whatever's interesting. So today I'm going to talk about two things which are too big and big and big and confusing and amorphous and turbid and complex and difficult things. And those two things are cancel culture and echo chambers. And I've decided to talk about them together, um, for no real reason, (laughs) but I thought that, um, they actually have a lot of confluence in their, in their trajectories. Um, so those are the two things I'm going to talk about. But before I do that, because I'm a cool dude, I need to say two things, um, one of those things is that this is a podcast, but it's also a video on YouTube and you can watch it on YouTube if you like. Or you may be watching this on YouTube. If you are, hi. Nice. Nice. Nice one. Um if you're listening, hi as well. I hope you're doing something nice and menial and you're drifting off into the sunset as um as we all should, you know? The second thing is that if you're enjoying anything I do, Uh, you can support me. And you can do that in a number of ways, one of which is on Patreon, which is a really cool platform, really easy to use. And it will allow me to keep making the podcast. So if you want to keep making, if you want to keep me, if you want to encourage me to keep making the podcast, you can support it on Patreon. And there'll be a link below. Thank you to all of the people, the 16 or 17 people who have become patrons thus far. I really appreciate it. And it keeps me able to do this. So thank you. You can also follow me on Instagram at Alex listens or, um, visit my website, www.alex.co. A L E K S. You know, uh, Yeah. So that's all I want to say. Hi and bye. Okay. So what am I going to talk about? Um, well, I already told you, right? Echo chambers and council, council, cancel, cancel culture. And I have a brief plan. I always have a brief plan, but okay, I'll just tell you what the plan is because, you know, I wrote it down. I may as well tell you. Okay. So there are five things that I have on my brief plan. Number one is what are these things? Number two, why are these things important? Number three, how can we use them to our advantage? Number four, how can they be harmful? And Number five, what do we do next? So I'll start by defining, well, I mean, they're pretty hard to define, I guess I've given myself a tough job. But cancel culture is essentially the culture or the move to to silence someone completely to the point where they are, it's as if they don't exist. Um, I guess, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an extreme move and sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it's a bit unclear. Sometimes it's accidental as in someone's been, um, I don't know, mischaracterized or, you know, so it's, it's because it's a very powerful move, um, to kind of remove someone from your consciousness or to try to, by not giving them any attention and not, Encouraging those around you to give them attention. So I guess that's what. So when someone is cancelled. They. um, Presumably they have done something. Wrong. Gravely wrong. Um, And. And I guess it's a. It's a. It's a political. And a personal message. It's a political message in so far as. It is saying that those who cancel th- those who cancel others are saying that this kind of behavior is not permissible or this kind of behavior should not be respected or this kind of behavior should not be encouraged or this kind of behavior has no place in our society and those who are cancelled um, uh, kind of occupy this strange territory of uh, of nothing, really. They have no territory. Um, and, yeah. So, that's what cancel culture is. And, I guess, over the past, I don't know, two years, it seems like the cancel culture... It seems like cancel culture has been mostly associated with the left. And it's been something that the left has done to others. To people who um, are... Doing things that the left doesn't agree with, Um, and I'm not sure. I, I mean, really, it might just be a, um, it might just be a a matter of semantics in terms of saying that canceling is something that only leftists do. As I'm sure that people on any, um, people anywhere along the political spectrum do something akin to canceling. But it seems like the word cancel and cancel culture is something that, um, I don't know. It's something that I associate with the left. Um, and I am part of the left. Um, and yeah, I wanted to talk about it because often, well, not often, but, um, it it is a, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I'm realizing that it's very hard to talk about it without talking about what people have done. Um, and I guess that's why. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'll come back to that. Um, but the second thing that I was going to talk about is an Echo chamber, and I guess from the definition from those two words echo chamber, you can probably guess what an echo chamber refers to. It's essentially um you know a I, I guess I feel, i personally me this isn't you know um a metaphor or anything like that um uh I feel like I live in an echo chamber where a lot of my political beliefs and a lot of the things I say are also said and upheld and supported and encouraged by the people who I care about and the people who are around me. And I rarely clash heads with, you know, people on the opposite side of the political spectrum, the conservatives and, um, you know, the alt-right and the radical conservatives. Um, yeah. So that's what a, an echo chamber is. It's a place if you are inside an echo chamber, you exist in a sphere where what you hear is what you already believe. Um and I guess that can happen for anyone. You know, you might be indoctrinated into this very strange set of beliefs and that's all you know and that's all you hear. And if that's the case, then you are in an echo chamber. Um Okay, so the second thing I wanted to talk about was, why are these two things important? So the first thing, cancel culture. So cancel culture is important because it allows people to signal... (laughs) I guess I have to be careful with the word signal because, you know, it's associated with something else, which is virtue signaling, which... um, you know is is a problematic act whereby a person you know kind of puts their hand up and says oh like you know x is what x is important and then that's all they do in terms of supporting a political movement and you know they're just posting a picture on instagram to try and you know signal allegiance to To kind of get, you know, social credit points or something. And virtue signal is problematic because it does nothing. Um, Or, you know, the the impact is, you know, it's kind of... Strangely, you know, it could be interpreted as some kind of act of... Some kind of encouragement of political quietism. Um, Those who virtue signal are just kind of pumping air into a space and nothing else. Um, and maybe you disagree. Maybe you think that virtue signaling is a, an important act and that, you know, some people are unable to help in any other way. And in that case, um, I guess it's important to, um, share your opinions with people. Um, but I guess sharing your opinions can only go so far. Um, there is more required in order to change things. Um, there are so many opinions out there. There are, if you can go into a library and you can look at a bookshelf and you will see that there are every, like a lot has already been said. Um, there is no shortage of opinion. Um, And so I guess that's where I draw issue with virtue signaling because, um, I'm not really sure what it does. I guess one concern is what I already said before that, um, people who virtue signal are just, are just trying to, I don't know, get like, get karma points or something, get social points and kind of paint themselves as being people who are politically, orientated and people who are, who care about stuff. And I guess it's just not a good way. It's not a very helpful way of showing that you care. Um, sure you might be sending a message to the people around you, but if the people around you are only sharing posts on Instagram, then wow, what a, what a, what a great political community you have. Um, no, that's, I mean, yeah, like Um, I'd be interested to hear what people think about virtue signaling. So send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. um, Or comment below if you're watching on YouTube, whatever. Um, Yeah. So I think... And then the question is, what do you do if you... So now that I've, you know, kind of said virtue signaling is problematic because... Oh, but virtue signaling, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not really doing too much. It's just you waving a little flag saying, look at me, like I am a lefty. Um, but all you're doing is waving a flag. Um, and yes, that's important because, you know, better on the left than on the right. Um, and, um, yeah, (laughs) I'm worried that I didn't, I didn't set out to talk about virtue signaling, but, you know, it's an element of, it's an it's the all these things are tied together because virtue signaling is linked to echo chambers insofar as sometimes I wonder whether the people who kind of contribute to the political sphere within which I exist and you know, sometimes I wonder this about myself. What am I actually doing when I what am I doing right now when I'm making this podcast? is it just one gigantic, like, is it like the most obnoxious act of virtue signaling ever? Um, and no, I, I don't think it is because I think that, at least my intention is to, to generate discussion um, and to engage with people who might not, Um, who might not be thinking about this kind of stuff and to do it in a medium that isn't already saturated with the exact same stuff. Um, so, I mean, I don't know of too many, like, uh, yeah, I guess I just feel like the podcast space is, you know, it feels like it's been overdone and it feels like everyone has their own podcast, but like as i said like i've said this before there's a lot of a lot of really shit podcasts um so yeah i guess i'm kind of assuming a role as someone who you know has thought about this kind of stuff and wants to share their opinions and also comes from um you know marginalized ethnic groups and ha- comes from a migrant family and feels as though on certain political topics such as race and colonization and um education that that their opinions ought to be heard um and yeah i guess the difference between me or well, um, in my eyes the difference between me and someone who posts something on yeah like i don't know i don't know i guess recently with this um with the black lives matter movement there one thing that i've seen on social media is just people Reposting a lot of other people's stuff, and uh, some of these people I wouldn't take to be the most political types, and I wonder what it—I wonder what they think they're doing when they're doing that, um, and I wonder what—I wonder how they think they are contributing to the space. Um, yeah, and not everyone. At the same time, not, as I said before, not everyone should make a podcast about politics. Um, but what, what is the desired outcome? If the desired outcome is social change, um, maybe posting on Instagram isn't, maybe everyone posting on Instagram isn't the best form of activism. Maybe some people have, you know, social media is a brilliant mechanism for mobilizing, a brilliant platform for, or Avenue for mobilizing people and for sharing ideas. But I don't know, reposting and reposting and reposting and they're not, you know, translating that into any kind of behavioral changes. Um, not calling out your friends when they say problematic things. Um, not, uh, paying attention to the way you use language and, To, you know, the ways that you conceive of your privilege or lack thereof. These are, these are things that we also need to do. Um, and I guess in my eyes, these contribute to, these move the gesture away from a one of virtue signaling and these kind of open the echo chamber. To the wider community. Because. Yeah. I guess I have. I have access to. I know some. Conservative people. Um, Some of them. Went to my high school. Um, And they hold interesting. (laughs) Interesting beliefs. And I talk to them. About what they believe. And I try to, I try to understand, um, often, often I can grasp the argument, but you know, there's a mismatch in worldview or something deeper, which, which kind of underpins our political leanings. Um, and that's something that's very hard to change. Um, but it's something that I believe can be changed by experiencing things. So, one thing that I've said a number of times on this podcast has been that I truly believe that, for example, um, people people would be less people would be less critical of multicultural society if they had experienced the fruits of multicultural society. And how do you do that? You move or you you spend some time in a multicultural city. And if you haven't spent time in a multicultural city and your trusted, trusted media source tells you that Group X is responsible for all of your suffering, why not believe that narrative, right? What else do you have from your... I guess, limited experiential horizon. What else do you have to convince yourself? Otherwise not much, maybe. Um, and this is why this is where, this is where the, um, this is where echo chambers are problematic because sometimes I feel like I, sometimes with this podcast, I feel like I'm talking to the same kind of person again and again and again and again and again and again and again. again. And I say things and people already agree with them. And I'm just reinforcing that belief. And that's that's good. I'm glad that I'm re- reinforcing beliefs that I believe are contributing to a freer and more equal world. Um, and I, th- I, so far in my life, I have not as a person who's spent a lot of time thinking about questions of freedom and equality, I have not encountered any particular any I have not encountered any conservative argument that has convinced me that I'm wrong, um, or I have not been shown an an alternate interpretation of the world that is that undermines mine. Um, and so, I guess perhaps that's my justification for feeling like. When I share these views with people um, That it's good When people also Believe these things Because I don't believe my views Of Race and Gender And um, Privilege I don't believe they are marginalizing and exclusive and stifling views in fact i believe they promote the opposite freedom and unity and community and and peace so <laughs> there's there's my there's my argument for um for Yeah, for me, thinking that it's... There's my argument for echo chambers. Um, that it can it can remind people what is important when they are kind of... You know, when their attention is elsewhere. Um, but at the same time... So, here's an anecdote. Um, I was living in London from the middle of 2019 until March this year. Um, and I came back to Melbourne, and there was there was a um, federal election in London. Boris the Tories versus Labour. Boris Johnson versus Jeremy Corbyn. And I lived in a thoroughly progressive neighbourhood called Hackney Wick, and it's in the borough of Hackney, which is in East London. And Hackney is a um, very ethnically diverse. Very arty very musical very creative and it seems like all of those things are associated with the left Um, so very left leaning area Um, at at least it seems like the neighbourhoods that are associated with those things in every city, for example in Melbourne you know, the kind of um, you know, the areas where (laughs) Left-leaning, <laughs> the areas that are musical Such as you know Fitzroy and Brunswick Are also left-leaning areas Or they attract left-leaning people That's been my experience, maybe I'm wrong um, But in London, in this kind of left-leaning bubble In this echo chamber I believed that Jeremy Corbyn was going to win the election And I believed that because everyone around me Was voting for Labour. And everyone. Well not everyone around me was voting for Labour. But no one was voting for Boris Johnson. No one was voting for the Tories. And then. Boris Johnson won. And he won by a lot. And I was shocked. Because I. Until then I had believed that. That there was a minority. Who were going to vote for a conservative, uh, Tory government. Um, so that, that is the scary thing about echo chambers that they, that, yeah, in my experience, they have, I've been deceived by them and I've been hopeful about the state of the world based on the people that I've been spending time with. Um, because, I feel very safe around those people And hopefully that that feeling is reciprocated And hopefully And I mean You know, I don't I don't spend time with bigots And racist people And I don't really know too many people Who um, vote for conservative political parties um, And so it's hard I don't I don't really know how With this podcast One thing that I've wanted to do is Engage with One thing that I haven't wanted to do is to be partisan. Um, I haven't wanted to only engage with one side of politics. Um, I've wanted to have conversation with others. And someone who has done this a lot is someone who I've interviewed twice, and that's the comedian Tom Ballard. And on his podcast, like a five-year-old is what it's called, um, he has interviewed a number of conservative people such as, um, I've forgotten. Okay. I'm not even going to try. Um, someone from the Australian defense league. I've forgotten his name. I think that's what it's called. Um, you know, the far right pro super pro, um, national conservative party. Um, yeah. And I'm yet to do that. And I am a bit scared. (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty scared. Um, I'm scared because I'm not used to having those kinds of conversations with people. But here I sit in my armchair, surrounded by philosophical books, criticizing virtue signaling and telling people to think about how they should talk about their political engagement. And then I have also said that I should talk to people on the other side. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk to people on the other side. And if there are some people who you think I should talk to, you should tell me. Um, But that is one thing that I commit myself to. And that is one thing that I believe will help me uh, feel less like I am breathing, living and breathing in an echo chamber. Um, okay, so, yeah, one thing that I, one thing that I wanted to talk about, but I'm not sure I am, I'm not sure I'm qualified to talk about this, but one thing I wanted to talk about is, and I'm also wary that this is an extremely delicate topic and so I am hesitating to talk about it, but maybe I'll just maybe I'll just float it with you and I don't have to talk about it. I think, yeah. It's the question of what do we replace cancel culture with? Hmm. What do we replace cancel culture with? Um, because when you, when you take someone, when you take someone's when you remove someone from your consciousness, and when a group well, removes someone from their group consciousness, it's not as if the issue is being... It's not as if the differences between you and that canceled person just evaporate. That person evaporates from your group, but they're still there. And that doesn't change. I'm not sure that prov- I'm not sure that sets them up. Or, or facilitates the cognitive changes required for someone to you know, reconfigure their belief. If that is the desired outcome of cancel culture. Because the way I've kind of defined cancel culture in this podcast video has been that it's something that is trying to define Normativity. It's trying to set the boundaries around what is politically acceptable behavior. Or just what... It, it, it doesn't even have to be political. What, it's trying to define the boundaries around what is acceptable behavior. And what is behavior that should be applauded and encouraged. And at the same time, what is behavior that should be... That should be considered to be reprehensible and... Um, terrible. Um, so I'll leave you with that question. And I, I really want you to, to tell me what you think. What is the next? What do we replace or what do we do? What should we do instead of canceling people? Should there be group community organizations? And I'm familiar one of my friends I was talking to yesterday about or oh, two days ago about this was telling me about a new kind of way of conceiving about repairing broken bonds with people through you know, um, community-based conversation, um, and people coming together and acknowledging wrongdoing, but also giving someone room. To continue existing In light of Yeah um, So yeah, please Please let me know what you think And That's all for today Thanks for listening, thanks for watching um, If you've enjoyed this, think about Supporting it, thanks Bye. Yeah Man, I swear I got a Yeah Ambition But there ain't no money in this business yeah. So what long can I keep it doing this shit yeah. Like the river dance, now I'm feeling I'm feeling Yeah, yo, I got ambition Nah, but there ain't no money in this business Yeah, so what long can I keep it doing this shit yeah, if it red but that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling.